0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and I'm thankful that we're going to take some time to continue studying on our road trip together this season. This is season five, episode seven. We have covered so far two road signs. We've covered the yellow light sign the last three weeks, and then the beginning of this season, in our first three episodes, we covered the caution sign. Today's sign is probably going to be considered by some to be a very controversial sign to cover. I don't know of the religious background from all of our viewers, all of our listeners, but I know with the amount of views and downloads that we've been blessed to have, that it stands to reason that there's at least a few people out there that do not belong to the same belief system that I think you and I are going to be talking about the next three weeks. And so I ask at the beginning of this next three-week arc that you go into it with an open mind and an open Bible. I am willing to discuss further any questions that might be had about the topic that we're going to be discussing, the road sign that is before us, but I do ask that you give it an open mind. I know there is a lot of what we would probably call religious confusion out in the world today. And so we're going to look through the New Testament, and we're going to just simply talk about what the Bible says. Nothing more, nothing less, just Scripture. So let's begin the three-week study on the one-way sign. How many churches are there? And I know some of you might already be thinking, all right, you're losing me. Just bear with me. In America, it is estimated as of 2020 that there were 380,000 churches. In the last 100 years, the number of Christians in the world has quadrupled from about 600 million in 1910 to well past 2 billion presently, and today Christianity remains the world's largest religious group. There are approximately 41,000 Christian denominations and organizations in the world today. What has happened? You know, you can admit, I think, I believe, I know I can admit it myself, that a consideration of what the Scriptures teach, there is no Bible verse that talks about 41,000 different denominations. There's no Bible verse that talks about being of 380,000 different beliefs or 380,000 churches that make up a large number of different beliefs. That's where we find ourselves in 2023. How did we get to this point? Is one church as good as another? Today's episode is entitled Peter Said It Was So. Peter Said It Was So. But he didn't say it was so that one church was as good as another. And I want us to consider what we find in Peter's writings, and in Peter's doctrine that he gave to find out what this one way truly is. So, if you have your Bibles in front of you and you would like to turn to them, the passage that we're going to be covering in the rest of this episode, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. Now, I know Peter is not the writer here, but we're going to cover why Peter's being included in this in just a few minutes. But I want us to notice a series of ones that the brethren had beginning in Acts 2.42. They had one commitment. Uh, they were committed to the word and to worship. In Acts 2.42, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. One way of worship continued steadfastly in the preaching and teaching, the fellowship, singing and giving. A Greek word there which means a joint participation same word used to refer to their contribution. A breaking of bread with the Lord's Supper. Prayers, where they would pray together, obviously. And all of these acts make up a singular act that we call worship. And they were strengthened through the apostles' miracles. In verse 43, it says, Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. They had one commitment. But the second thing that they had was one, compassion. They provided for people when needs came up. In Acts 2, 44 and 45, it says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. They were following the command of Jesus in John 13, 34 and 35, where he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And also what we talked about in our caution signs with Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. They had one commitment and one compassion. When a brother or sister had need, they would sell their possessions to provide for that need. Isn't that impressive? Isn't that something that we should all be striving to do again? And I know a lot of churches have great benevolence programs, and they provide the needs for the congregation. Back before there was a church treasury, this was how they did it. They sold their own things, and... I would like to say this, and I hope you understand what I mean when I say it. I think this needs to come back. I think we need to bring this back into the church again, where when someone says they have need, that before we automatically say go to the church treasury, maybe there are some brethren who are able to help, who are able to take care of them. I find it amazing that prior to the church treasury being set up, they just did what they knew was right. And today, perhaps we too often get caught up into a I've given already mentality. We need to avoid that at all cost. We need to avoid that at all cost. They had one commitment, one compassion, and one charge. They continued their charge daily. In verse 46, it says, continuing what they were doing, in verses 42 through 45, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. This was their way of life. In Romans 12 and verses 10 and following, it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice, I should say, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind, verse 16, toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. They continued this charge. They did what they were expected to do. And I want you to notice this last one. They had one church. Three thousand were added. To what? In Acts 2.37 and following, it says, When they'd heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter answered and said to them, Verse 38, Repent and let everyone be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some people want to make a big deal out of that word for in the Greek. It's a Greek word, "ice" or "ace," eis, and it. In some considerations, by some people, means because of. But that's never what the Greek word was intended to mean. And in fact, here at the Memphis School of Preaching in our library, we have a letter from a renowned Greek scholar years ago who wrote emphatically that for could never mean because of. My how things have changed. You wouldn't say. Go to the grocery store and pay because you've already purchased the groceries. No, if I don't have the money to buy the groceries, I haven't purchased them yet. And we're told in Acts 20 and verse 28 that Jesus purchased the church with his own blood. But in order for us to access that purchase, we have to do what Romans 6 says. Be baptized into his death, verses 1 through 4. But then what happens after that? In verse 39, he says the promises to you and to your children, to those who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So question, if they did it the way Peter told them to do it, were they going to be saved? Yes. According to what he said in verse 40. Indicating that the only way that they could be saved is to do it the way that Peter told them to do it. He didn't say this is one of the ways that you can be saved. He said in verse 38, you want remission of sins, you have to do it this way. And watch this in verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And then in verse 47, members were added daily and to what praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved we find a correlation in verse 40 be saved from this perverse generation we find that down in verse 47 if you think about what we know about the mindset of what paul Peter, I should say, is trying to get people to realize if you and I look at that word, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved, that word in the Greek is a word that if I were to look it up and I were to go and look at the mentality behind it, this is what I get for trying to do this on the fly. Let's see here. Bible word study. Yeah. According to one specific source, BDAG, they wrote that this is to preserve or rescue. Another definition would be to save from death. Save, keep from harm, preserve, rescue, save from death. You're looking at this word, and it's an interesting word in the Greek. It's 4982 according to Strong's Concordance. If I go back up to verse 40. And I look at that word that he said, you need to be saved. It's the same word, 4982 in the Greek. What Paul, I keep getting Paul, we're going to talk about Paul later. What Peter was saying in Acts 2 is the same word, by the way, means to deliver from something as well. So, when Peter says, you want to be delivered from your sinful state, be baptized. What I find out in verse 47 is those who are baptized, those who are added to the Lord's body, are the ones who are saved. And so, if I'm saved, I'm placed into the church, into the church, which coincidentally... Is a word that we find ecclesia uh, called out, a separate type of people, people who are called to be different. And when I look at that in the word study, we're trying to figure out what we know about it. It's an assembly of people, it's taking a group of people and putting them together. Now we have a question Does it really even matter? Is one assembly not as good as another? I have some follow-up questions for that for you to consider. Why would we stress the unity of the first century church right after verse 41? Why is the very next thing that Luke records for us about what Peter said, that the result of following Peter's doctrine was that they would all be united? Do you not see all of the division in our world? you not see all of the different church names and different beliefs that you can find and subscribe to? And in fact, I recall, it's becoming more popular again, but I recall in 2015 or 2016, discovering an after-school Satan club designed to give children the information about the devil after school that they would need. Is that unity with what the Bible teaches? With different church names come different beliefs. If that weren't true, they wouldn't be different. There wouldn't be different names. You wouldn't have a Methodist and a Baptist and a Mormon and whatever else you want to bring to the table for discussion. None of those names would be needed if we all believe the same thing. You cannot be united if you have a difference in matters of doctrine. And no one would disagree if I said, in order to be saved, you need to hear, believe, repent, confess, punch an old man in the face, and you'll be saved. None of you would take me seriously on that one. You wouldn't do it. Indicating that there can be a wrong way to discuss salvation. And if there's a wrong way to discuss salvation, then verse 40 and 47 that talk about the saved being added to the ecclesia, called out an assembly of people, then we have an issue. There's no doubt of the singleness of the first century church. Those added to the church on the day of Pentecost were added to a singular entity. That entity continued to grow daily during the early stages after Pentecost. And if we were to go back to that day and we were to ask them as they were coming up out of the water what they were just added to, what church did you just become a member of? What would they say? I'm sorry, what? What are you talking about? There were no other churches that could be added to that would be what the Lord had established. There was only one. And it's because Peter. Said it was so. When Peter gave the exact thing that Jesus foretold in loosening, giving the keys of the kingdom, binding on earth, be bound in heaven, loosed on earth, would be loosened in heaven, Peter had to preach the truth. He couldn't just give what his opinion on the matter was. And so I ask you to think. Why stress the unity in Acts chapter 2 of the first century church if it doesn't matter which way we follow and how we go? Lord willing, next week we'll pick up with the same idea with another apostle. I've said his name several times in the episode accidentally, but we'll pick up next week with Paul, who said it was so. And I'll probably call him Peter a lot, too, so uh, sorry in advance for that. I know this is not an easy subject matter, but it's supposed to be. It needs to be simple again. Lord willing, we'll pick up next week, but until then, please God now so our eternity is far better. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.